0: Hey everyone, Chelsea here again. So I am back with a really interesting and amazing and inspiring series of episodes. And this will be the first one. I'm not sure how many episodes will be in this series. It'll be pretty brief, maybe two or three episodes. But in this project, I gathered a collection of interviews where I interviewed people and couples who have experienced infertility but not only have they experienced infertility but they have come out on the other side of it and their story has ended in hope and they've eventually conceived because i know that infertility can feel very hopeless sometimes it can it can feel very lonely it can feel very discouraging and i mean i'm just touching the surface of how it can feel and i do know that when you are experiencing infertility, many people become kind of obsessed with hearing stories of hope and infertility stories that end in conception. And understandably, you want to keep up the optimism and you want to continue to be motivated to try to start a biological family. So that is why I gathered these stories of hope, just To continue to give you something to push forward um, and know that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel if if you are experiencing infertility. And I just know that these stories of hope could be a real help to some people. And in the future, I would also like to do a similar project about stories of hope, but ones that end in adoption, which is equally amazing and is just a different road and has and has its own challenges so again these are infertility stories that end in conception I I just want to have a quick disclaimer that you're gonna hear some chirping in the background that's my stupid smoke alarm I am so sorry it is radiating through my entire house and I am only five feet tall and even on a chair, I can, (laughs) there it is, I cannot for the life of me (laughs) turn this thing off. And so you're going to hear it in the background every once in a while. I am so sorry, but when my husband gets home tonight, I'm going to have him do something about it. So that's my quick disclaimer. But anyway, without further ado, I want to get into my first couple of interviews. So here we go. Hey everybody I am now here with Hannah Israelson. Hannah thank you so much for coming on. Of course thank you for having
1: me. Yeah
0: so I'm just gonna hop right in and ask you these questions about your infertility journey. So first of all how long have you or did you experience infertility and was it something that you kind of foresaw experiencing or did it catch you by surprise?
1: Um, it definitely caught us by surprise. Um, we were in our early twenties when we got married and um, dealt with unexplained infertility, so we never got clear answers on on what was wrong. Um, so it was, you know, definitely something we didn't see coming. Um, as far as we knew, we were healthy and young and should have had no problem having kids. Um, so yeah, it's definitely unexpected, and um, it was it was four years before eventually doing IVF. That we
0: were able to have our daughter. Okay, so you tried for four years before mm-hmm. getting IVF. Okay, and you did eventually conceive via IVF. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Congratulations about Thank that. You. That's amazing. So, what other avenues did you take before you got to IVF?
1: Um, we tried medicated cycles, um, so that's where you have clomid. We did, I think, we did six or seven rounds of that. Mm-hmm. Um, We didn't end up doing IUIs. We we were kind of at the point of doing that, and then kind of got directed down a different road. Where our doctor said, "You know, it's probably really not likely that's going to work. IVF is really going to be the best bet for you guys." Um, So we decided not to throw more money at that if it didn't have a very high chance of success. But,
0: But yeah,
1: medicated cycles and the whole timing stuff is what we tried at first, and then moved to IVF
0: when. So it sounds like for yeah, it sounds like you did a lot of the basics that everybody does, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and before you got to that point. And how many rounds of IVF yeah. did you do?
1: We were fortunate that we got pregnant on our first round.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So we did a frozen transfer though. So they and we did have genetic testing. Mm-hmm. So we we knew that we were implanting a, a genetically normal embryo and they had been able to kind of make sure that we were getting the best the best opportunity for for an embryo that would be successful um but yeah we were we were able to get pregnant on the first round which we were very grateful for
0: so up until that point I'm sure that you went through emotional and maybe even some physical challenges um I know that when I was kind of dealing with a scare of infertility I got very stressed out and I actually lost my period because of that oh, <laughs> so that was kind of my yes. physical challenge so that's why I asked did you did you have any emotional or physical challenges that um were like that or what were they like for you
1: absolutely yeah um one sti- uh, statistic that I read during going through infertility, is that infertility actually has been, studies have shown that it causes the same levels of stress in people as cancer. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And and um as well as going through a divorce. So oh. it's it really truly can be so stressful. And um, I think people who haven't experienced it, I, I don't think have any clue of you know that that level of stress that it truly can cause, but right. Um, and I think something people oftentimes don't think about is that you know it causes physical stress on your body, especially when you're going through treatments. Um, and and it also you know emotionally it's so stressful, feeling you know wondering if this is ever going to work out, and feeling so deep in your heart that you're meant to be parents, and then mentally you're kind of going through a a grief cycle every single month that you don't get pregnant and then you kind of grieve that pregnancy or I mean lack of a pregnancy then the next Mm -hmm. month you have to hope again and try again and you're just kind of on this up and down roller coaster every month and then it's also super stressful financially right um if you're seeking treatment and getting into treatments that are not covered by insurance so, yeah, it's definitely a stressful thing. For myself, um, I'd say the emotional and, and mental stress is probably the worst part of it. And my husband and I, did we did go to some counseling. We we sought out a, a, a counselor that we attended together just to talk through it, and that really helped. Like, it didn't solve everything. It didn't take away the sadness that I was feeling completely, but it just helped the two of us be able to communicate about it better and um, and just kind of talk through our feelings with somebody else that was trained to, to help us deal with it really helped a lot
0: I love that you went and got counseling I think that that's really important and that kind of leads me to my next question what was your support system like and of course including your husband which you just mentioned you went to counseling with him mm-hmm so what what was that support system like for you a lot of people are telling me that they actually didn't feel very supported and they kind of got some for lack of a better term like toxic positivity (laughs) where it was just too much like oh it's okay everybody goes through this and it kind of just made you feel worse
1: just relax (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. so what was that like
1: yeah we definitely had a mix there they were definitely you know we definitely got those insensitive comments here and there mm-hmm. um but i would say overall i feel like we we were, were really pretty supported um our close families were really kind and supportive and rooting for us and even though they didn't specifically understand they you know they were hurting for us and they could tell it was hard for us even though they didn't always know what to say so we appreciated that but i would say one thing that helped me the very most it support system wise is that um i had a youth leader in my church when i was a teenager she had been my leader um and at the time i was a teenager she and her husband were going through infertility and had been they struggled with that for 10 years before they were able to have their their first child and she still lived in the same town that i was living in at the time and things and so i would go over to her house and cry and she would hug me and
0: oh that's and just awesome
1: you know, tell me that it's going to be okay, and it just, it helped a lot to talk through it with somebody that truly, really understood, mm-hmm. um, what it was like, and, and I know not everybody's going to have somebody in their life like that, but, but I hope people can know, like, if you're not aware of this, there are a lot of people that are really open and sharing about their infertility stories on Instagram, on blogs, um, on YouTube, like, you can find somebody that you can listen to their story and hopefully connect with and open up to yourself. Like if you don't have someone in person in your life. Like there definitely are people out there that will support you and be your, your cheerleader and be your friend through this, that, that truly
0: understand what it's like. And so that also leads me to another important support system. You did tell me before I hit record that you are a spiritual person so how did that play into your fertility journey as well
1: i think it definitely affects it in so many ways um because i think one thing that maybe people struggle with more that are religious is that i guess maybe it depends on your church and what your what your beliefs are but in my church um family is super emphasized and it's all it's very often talked about like how important families are how wonderful they are how it's part of God's plan for us to have families and so sometimes that that was hard to have that like emphasized all the time when I'm struggling to get that and I'm wondering right why isn't God blessing me with having a family when that's what I want and I know that that is a good thing to desire um but so, you know, there were definitely times where I, I felt a little bitter and angry and frustrated. But mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, overall, I, I felt very supported by God. And when I would pray and, and ask my hard questions, I would feel I would feel peace and comfort and assurance that this is going to work out someday. There's going to learn important things through this experience. Um, that will bless me later on in my life, and um, and I really felt like I felt a, a stronger connection to God overall through through having to go through something so hard. Um, I came to feel like I came to know him and my and my Savior better. And in my you know in my religion, we we believe that God is a heavenly Father and that we have a heavenly Mother too. And I feel like through these experiences, I have kind of gained a stronger connection to my my own female divinity, and I've learned that, you know, being a woman, there's kind of narratives in our society and sometimes in in religion that your worth has in the past sometimes been determined by if you're able to have kids. Like, you know, there's so many stories in the Bible about women who felt like you know, so heartbroken and, and felt that their entire worth was based on whether or not they had kids. Like oh yeah, Hannah, I felt that the first too. one that comes to mind for me, cause my name is Hannah and you know, she went through that whole experience in the Bible. So, um, but mm-hmm. I, I really gained a, a strong witness that, that women have infinite divine worth and it is not dependent on, any any outside status any outside status of being a mom or being married or anything else like we have we have infinite value that is equal to that of any other person in the world just just because we are children of heavenly parents and so I'm really grateful to have been able to learn that more fully
0: oh I love that you just gave me chills I love that. That was beautiful. (laughs) So you kind of briefly touched on another thing that I wanted to ask you about because this is something that comes up in a lot of conversations um, when women are, or even men, are trying really hard to conceive and you. you feel kind of lonely and discouraged when you see other people announce their pregnancies, a lot of People talk about that, and so if there are any if there are any listeners right now who have a loved one who is having trouble conceiving, and they've just conceived or they don't have trouble conceiving, why, why is it so hard for those who are having a hard time conceiving to see other people conceive easily? Uh, that's something that a discussion that a lot of women who are not having trouble conceiving don't understand but I can see that they're trying to understand it so what would you say that is
1: um I think because it's just a very it's not that we are upset at you or that you were able to conceive easily um because we we wouldn't wish this on our worst enemy um it's just hard because it's a very like physical and in our face reminder that it's not working for us, and it is working for somebody else. And, like, for a lot of people, I mean, I never experienced a miscarriage or a stillbirth, but I know for a lot of people who have, I've heard them say that they remember, like, every milestone, like, they remember when that baby was supposed to be due. They remember the due date. They remember how old that child would be right now. Mm -hmm. And to a lesser extent, I would say I kind of had those little, you know, those little kind of Milestones in my brain, like oh, if we'd been able to get pregnant when we first started trying, like I would have a one-year-old right now, or things like that, and right. um, and so it's just you're kind of. I think you know somebody said that grief is love with no place to go, and that's kind of talking about missing a loved one, but it also applies to infertility, because right. you're grieving the loss of a dream. Um, but that idea of grieving. Of how you know infertility does cause real grief like you're grieving the loss of the life that you expected or the, the way that you thought things were going to go and the the way that you had dreamed that growing your family would look like um and so it's kind of it's just tough because you you're you have so much love for those future children that you haven't met yet and there's Nowhere for it to go, and so it's just a really heartbreaking thing to go through. And I don't know, I don't know what else to tell people about why it sucks to <laughs> to see other people get pregnant when you're not, or why that's hard. But it just is really hard. It, it's a really hard reminder, and everyone deals with it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, like some people are really have a really easy time, you know, being able to just outwardly actually happy for someone even if they're hurting inside and for other people it's not as easy right Um, so we all want to do the best that we can to you know preserve good relationships with with those people around us but a little sensitivity you know from the side of the person who has no problem getting pregnant it really does go a long way to to
0: help us along, you know, to right. help us be happy for you. Right, and I think um, you you said it really well when you said that it's just kind of a reminder. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it seems like it's not hard to be reminded. Because when you're trying to conceive and you're enduring infertility, it seems like it's almost a lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. It, it, it's, it's quite like quite a job. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Now you have a little girl. I heard her in the background watching Mickey Mouse. How old yeah. is she? She just turned three. Oh, how fun! So, how was it when you found out that the IVF worked and you were pregnant? What was that pregnancy like going through that after, after trying to conceive for four years? Oh, it
1: was, I mean, it was the best feeling ever to be told that we were pregnant. Um, it was it was incredible there's nothing like that um i was really i was fortunate and blessed to just have a really pretty easy pregnancy um i didn't get super sick um really it was overall it was a very easy pregnancy until the end when she was breached and i ended up needing to have a c-section because of that but overall very few complications so so it really went really well and um However, like, at the same time, I feel like because of infertility, in the back of my mind, there is always, like, oh, my gosh, what if something goes wrong? What if I lose this baby? Mm-hmm. Um, I think infertility kind of takes away the innocence a little bit that somebody might have that just gets pregnant, like, on the first month of trying. Like, right. Um, if, if it's really easy for you to conceive, then it's kind of like you never have those worst-case scenarios go through your mind, quite as much as as people who have had a harder road there so I definitely was worried like the entire time until
0: she was born that something was going to go wrong and I'd lose her
2: right that's um,
0: understandable but she's here and she's almost three (laughs) yeah that's awesome so just to kind of wrap it up Uh, Is there anything else that you would want to tell um, women or men who are listening to this right now who are currently going through infertility and they're feeling alone and they're just looking for hope anywhere they can find it?
1: Okay. There's so much I could say, but um, I think some of the most important little notes would be that it's okay to not be okay. This is a really hard thing that you're going through. It's okay to feel sad and um, and frustrated and angry about it. And if you feel like those feelings are completely weighing down your life, like don't be afraid to ask for help, whether it's just venting about it to people in your life that you trust or going to a professional counselor. Um, I think it's also really important to... Set healthy boundaries, like if there's if there are people in your life that totally don't get it and are making it really hard for you to like be mentally okay when you're around them, like it's okay to limit your time around people like that. Right. You know? Try to surround yourself with people um that are that are going to help you yeah, that are going to help you through it and not weigh you down think it's really important that as as a couple truly try to be as united as you can be on the decisions that you're making like communicate openly keep in mind that men and women grieve differently and and express emotions differently and on different timelines like you might be at a point of like acceptance of of something and he might still be in the point of denial you know like
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, we all, we all kind of are on our own timeline, so try to communicate openly and give each other grace and, and make sure that when you're talking about different treatments that you're going to try, make sure that you're united and that you both feel good about what you're going to take as your next step before you move forward. We we definitely had some experiences where one of us felt really good about, like, starting the next step and the other one felt a lot of anxiety about it and I'm grateful that we waited to move on to another another level of treatment until we both felt good about it. Um and then the other like super important thing um emotionally is like find things that bring you joy individually and as a couple. Things to do that bring you joy that do not remind you of infertility. Like for me it was watercolor painting. That was, like, the one thing I could think of in my life that did not at all remind me that I didn't have kids and just brought me joy just for the sake of doing it. And um, it helped a lot to just carve out some time to have that creative release and just do something that, that didn't make me think about infertility. And I think that's important as a couple and individually that you find things to do that can bring you joy without constantly reminding you of
0: infertility right I like that a lot because it's pretty easy to obsess about it constantly google it go on you know message boards and (laughs) all of that stuff I think we've all kind of been there and yeah I love how you talked about leaning on your spouse but letting them be at whatever stage they're at and I totally agree with you that it's fine to be picky about who you let into your support system during this time because it is a – it's it's something that, yeah, if you haven't been through it, I mean, it's – I've heard that a lot from a lot of people that I've been interviewing for this project, that it's something that you just – if. If you're not in club infertility, you just don't get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah,
1: and I mean, it doesn't mean you have to completely cut people out of your right. life or anything. But I it's, mean, it's, okay it's okay to send a gift in the mail instead of going to that one friend's baby shower, you
0: know. Exactly, or, exactly. And so. if somebody is not showing support the way you need it, you know, and if you've already communicated to them, this is what I need from you, and they're not respecting that boundary, then yeah, I think you totally have the right to set different boundaries with that person, you know.
1: And along with that, like, it's okay, people can get a little bit nosy or curious about the process, and Mm -hmm. I'd also say it's okay not to share every single thing with everybody that you tell about it. You know, we had certain things that we shared, especially in the IVF process, we had certain things that we shared and certain things that we just wanted to keep to ourselves, and so it's okay to, to not tell all the details to everybody. Right. And to just say, like, you know, we're not comfortable sharing that.
0: If, oh, right. If people Ooh, are asking you
1: things that, that you don't want to share.
0: Right. That's a good one, too. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate you talking you're to me. You're
1: welcome. Do you care if I add one more thing?
0: Oh, please, please.
1: One last thing would be um, with the medical side of treatment, make sure that you're being an advocate for yourself. Um, Keep in mind that not every doctor is is the right fit for everybody. And so get more than one opinion. You know, see multiple doctors, multiple perspectives. Find the one that you feel good about that's the right fit for you. Find somebody that you connect with and and that you can truly trust. We, you know, we had an experience where we, we were pretty close to doing IVF in Utah before we moved to Arizona, but we just didn't quite feel good about it. Didn't quite feel... The most confident with the doctor that we were working with there, and then when we started working with our doctor in Arizona, it was just a huge difference um, in the level of professionalism and trust and confidence that we could feel in him. And we're just so grateful that we did IVF with him and not with the other doctors. So just
0: right you know, keep
1: in mind, be an advocate <laughs> for yourself. It's a especially for IVF, like it's a big deal. It's it's a lot to it's a lot on your body and it's um you know it's financially so much money going into it that you wanna make sure that you're totally confident with the doctor that you're that you're trusting.
0: Right. Like you're right. It's putting kind of your like
1: eggs into their basket
0: literally <laughs> literally. It's it's <laughs> kind of like dating your doctor. Like you and your yeah. spouse kind of need to go around and find a good fit because you're gonna be doing some very personal things with this doctor in your in your For family. Sure. So that's a good point they
1: should all they all should i mean REs should all have um a free consultation so there's no reason not to try out different doctors
0: right that's a really good point i'm glad that you added that is there anything else that you want to make sure you tell everybody Um, I know that, I know that any, everybody I'm, I'm interviewing could go on for a couple hours, but (laughs) it's a big subject. There's a lot.
1: Yeah. Just try to, I think, I think the biggest thing is just understand that this is a medical problem. It's not, it's not just in your head. It's not something that you can just relax to fix and not everyone will understand that, but just understand that what you're going through is real. It is valid. It's a medical condition and there's so many different avenues to deal with it like you know some people will choose to adopt instead of choosing medical treatment and that's totally fine um and that's wonderful but just you know keep in mind there's not like one particular thing that is just going to be a quick fix um it's a medical issue that's going to affect affect everyday life and it's okay to it's okay to acknowledge that and to get the help you need whatever path that may lead you down
0: Thanks Hannah, you're awesome. (laughs) Thank you, thanks for for letting me share. All right, now I am here with Nate and Nate did go through some infertility struggles with his wife and so I'd love to chat with you about this. And first off, just to start it all off, how long was this journey for you guys from start until you were able to conceive? How long was your infertility journey?
2: It it took us six years. Six years. Yeah, six years.
0: Wow. Okay. So yep. tell me I a little you. bit about this experience. Um if if you feel comfortable sharing, what was the nature of the infertility? Was it So um
2: my wife has PCOS. Uh-huh. So essentially she can't ovulate is okay. her problem. And so um there were obviously if you can't ovulate you can't have a kid so Mm -hmm. that that was the nature of the um, infertility
0: okay so since she couldn't ovulate i know that there's a couple of different things that doctors try to take you through when you when you are struggling with an ovulation um what avenues did you guys try through these six years
2: so we we tried a bunch of iuis which is um, essentially taking the sperm and the egg and putting them together and putting them inside, mm-hmm. and then um, just timed intercourse, things like that. Sorry, you're gonna hear my dogs. That's fine. Um, it's real life. They like to include themselves.
0: My dogs are in the backyard because they do the same thing. So I said I banished them to the backyard for this.
2: <laughs> my, my puppy here, she loves me, so it's really. Aww. To but yeah, so um, we, we did the, the timed intercourse, we tried IUIs, we uh-huh. went through I think six different six different IUIs
0: and it just it, it never worked. So nothing, nothing ever happened. As the as the man in the relationship, you have a different view from what we normally hear when it comes to infertility stories. We focus so much on the women. We focus on their struggles, physical, emotional, but I mean, obviously you're going through this with her too. So as you, you as the husband, what was this like for you?
2: You know, um, in the beginning it was, well, I had the question, is there something wrong with me too? Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning we had no idea. I mean, we had, I need an idea because my wife had a hard time having periods and stuff, but Right. You know, it could have been me as well. So, I mean, I got myself tested and all that kind of stuff, and it came back to where it wasn't me, so we, we, it was okay there.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: it was just, in the beginning, extremely difficult to understand just because for me as a – I will echo this as
3: a father now. Men do not understand having a baby until they have one. Mm-hmm. Women have this
2: understanding of children that men don't have until they have their own <laughs> and so in the beginning it was like oh well it didn't happen okay that's fine we'll try it again and so for the longest time I didn't really get it until probably a year maybe two years into it my wife finally just started talk really actually talking to me about it because most of the time she would just get really, really upset and I wouldn't understand. She wouldn't really open up. And then she finally started to talk to me about how she was feeling that
3: mm-hmm.
2: as a woman she was failing. And that was something I, I, I didn't even think of. Um, that
0: was kind of the turning point when you started to feel more like you understood.
2: Yeah, exactly. That, um, oh, well, hey, yeah, I, I I guess I get that. You... you you feel like you're broken and that you can't serve your purpose as a woman and so at that point in time I started understanding a little bit to the point of why she was getting so upset every single time
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it started dawning on me that hey this this is a journey that we may never see an end result to the, the result that we want and so for a while, it, it, it did get really tough on me to the point where I didn't even want to keep trying,
3: mm-hmm.
2: because the crushing negative every single time was just was hard for both of us. Right. So we started going to see to see the um, fertility specialists, and they helped us along the way. But it was it was still crushing every single time to see the negatives.
0: Right. Did you feel like you could really open up about how it was crushing you as the husband or did you feel like you had to focus completely on the wife and her pain?
2: Um...
0: Or anything in between.
2: (laughs) Um, So me, I I, I keep things to myself (laughs) a lot of the time. So I focused a lot on her to try to help out her. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I think the biggest key was to to helping us both was to figure out each other's love languages, to figure out, in that time where there's absolutely nothing I could do to help her, Mm -hmm. to understand what she needed the most at that time. And to me, that's everybody has that love language, the thing that they connect with the most. And I feel like once that started happening is when Together, we started actually working through it. Because I I think that's the thing is women want to hear what you have to say. They want to hear that you're going through this too. Mm -hmm. We want to know you're sad. Don't hide your emotions. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell her. Let her know. Don't blame her because it's not her fault at all.
0: Right, and she's gonna blame herself enough.
2: Yep, so that was one I told her a lot was, this is not your fault. You are not broken. I love that.
0: And did you feel like this experience of you two going through this together, was this a turning point in your relationship in any way?
2: I mean, it definitely brought us together when it um, just fighting through this together. I mean, there were times where we did fight about it because she felt like she was doing it by herself.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, that was because I was hiding my emotions. I wasn't telling her how I was feeling.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
2: feel like that could be a, a message to your wife or your spouse that you aren't interested. You don't care. Mm-hmm. Oh, it happened. But that's why I say open up and tell her let her know because she needs to know you're on the same team. And once she realized we were on the same team, things just got a lot better. I love that. I think that's really,
0: that's really important advice that you can never hear really enough. And you went through this for six years. Right? I remember that correctly? Six years? So, I mean, there's a lot of ups and downs, and I'm sure that you've got little mini stories in that whole timeline that go along with that. So tell me a little bit more about that journey until you finally conceived your twins.
2: Okay, so um, we first started um, about a year into our marriage,
0: mm. where
2: we were just um, just normal, trying to have a baby on our own. And, we realized, well, we got to go talk to somebody because things aren't happening after about six, eight months of trying just by ourselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the first place we went to was her OBGYN, and then they referred us over to the fertility clinic that's here in Pleasant Grove, Utah. And we went and talked to them first, and um, it was really reassuring to go to them because they they had all these plans for us to to be able to try things, to... Um, get to the end result that we needed. Now, the biggest, the biggest thing was finance. That's what everybody's telling me. Infertility is expensive. Yeah. Very, very expensive. So they, they were, they were wonderful. They were like, we understand it's expensive. We're going to do everything we possibly can to get it to where we try out all this stuff before we have to go to IVF, which is the one that's really expensive. So. Um, they were great. We went there for we got a couple IUIs there, and then we ended up having to move to Jersey. So we we lived out in New Jersey for um, almost two years, and we went to a fertility clinic out there, and it just wasn't the same. <laughs> they were considerably considerably better here. Uh-huh. We felt like the nurses there didn't really actually care. So that was that was pretty mm. tough. They didn't. They weren't as supportive and yeah no mm. like the iui we got there we felt like she didn't care and so
0: why would you be an iui specialist and give off that awful i don't care vibe i just that's something i will never understand that is one field that if you need to go in you got to have good bedside manner
2: that's just that oh, yeah. my opinion you you really do and then um my wife actually heard about getting a job here in Utah that would help with infertility, so, um, so she came back applied, and she got the job, and so we actually had um, her com- her work help us get I- IVF. Mm-hmm. So um, that's cool. That was honestly one of the hardest parts was I um, <laughs> doing this. So what what you have to do is. You have to do an egg retrieval, and that was that was very painful. Apparently, <laughs> so yeah. she was she was down for quite some time, and we actually almost had to take her to the emergency room because she thought um, yeah. yeah she had hyper ovarian stimulation. So um, it was it was crazy. <laughs> oh my god it was, it was not a fun experience for her. but um and then the other kind of crushing news that we got were that there were only five eggs that actually were fertilized and, and survived, which most of the time they they say it's like 10 to 12 or something like that. so we had about half of what they thought was they would be able to get. How did that and feel? So that, that was pretty crushing. We're like, oh well, our chances go from 12 to 5, which is quite large when mm-hmm. it comes to this because my wife did not really want to go through the break retrieval again because of how, how bad it was. I don't blame her. I so, really don't. Um, but then um, they gave us the, the choice of being able to put one or two in. So with actually putting two in, it ups the chances by about 15%. That they're actually going to stick, so it's it's kind of cool. The the um, let's say one egg attaches, that's it actually cool. sends off hormones for the other egg to attach.
3: Oh, that's so cool! I didn't like
2: know that. So they out, uh, getting attached. So that's cool. <laughs> that was that, that was pretty cool. But so we decided, you know what? Let's put put a boy and a girl in there. Let's let's do it. So. They were kind of advising against that, but we're like, well, this may be the only time we'll actually be able to do this. Mm-hmm. So I think those um, couple weeks of waiting were probably the longest ever because they, they put them in. We had to wait a couple weeks to actually get the blood test back mm-hmm. to find out if we were, if, we, if it actually worked or not. So I think oh, that was probably I can't some even of the long, longest two weeks. I, we've ever had I can't even so. imagine <laughs> just wondering and hoping and you know all this all this hard work that we've gone through and this wonderful opportunity we had with our work to actually get it taken care of mm-hmm. and um, the we, the miracle of it was it worked the first time.
0: That is a miracle.
2: It, it really is that that usually doesn't happen so um, but yeah it they stuck the first time. And so, I mean, that, yeah, that was amazing. So, and then it it doesn't really stop there because you you never really feel like you're accomplished until you have them.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. There were a couple times where we actually went to the emergency room because we felt like something was wrong.
0: Ooh. And did you feel like you were always a little bit on edge throughout the pregnancy, both of you?
2: So, but I mean, there was nothing more more rewarding than to watch them on that that ultrasound it was the first time we saw them move was just oh it was it was amazing
0: you just fall in love it, with them immediately
2: oh yeah for sure
0: you know why that's what kind of everybody is telling me that um that I'm interviewing for this project that the journey to conception makes that first ultrasound that much sweeter and oh yeah. they just completely fall in love immediately and now As somebody who did not conceive via any of this stuff, I I actually was able to conceive naturally after my infertility. I have to admit that that first ultrasound was special, and it was beautiful, and I loved it. But from what everybody is describing to me, it was nowhere near as emotional and cathartic as it was for people who experienced what you experienced.
2: Right, I was definitely holding back tears when I saw them. I'm sure I would. I mean, I'm a crier, but yeah, I'm not a crier either. So. <laughs> it's a main thing. The journey is incredibly hard. And the only advice I really have is talk to each other.
0: That's, that would be your main thing. Cause that's what, that's what I'm asking everybody is towards the end. What is something you would tell someone who is currently dealing with with infertility who's listening to this right now. And is that probably what you would say?
2: Talk to each other. You're on the same team.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. You're on the same team. A lot of people feel lonely and divided and misunderstood, and I think that that's something that's really important to understand. Is that
2: Yeah, and I can definitely say that we had that. There were definitely times where we both felt like we were on a different team. Where we were alone, I know for sh- there are many times she told me that she felt alone in this, and that's my advice: talk to each other. You're on the same team. Work together. I
0: love that. So before we wrap this up, is there anything else about your journey that you wanted to share?
2: Um, it's definitely worth it. Keep going at it, and it's there will be a time when you want to stop because there was definitely times we did but it is so worth it.
0: What I, I, what made you push through when you wanted to stop?
2: Um each other, really. So, we just kept really kept each other going. I told her we can't stop. We just got to keep going. I know it's hard, but we we can do this together. So, um and then other times it's just like You know, we just had that that feeling that it wasn't just supposed to be us. Mm -hmm. That it was supposed to be more than just us. And that we can do it. And that there's amazing technologies today that can help us get to to where we need to be. Oh, it's amazing.
0: It seems like whenever you reach the end of, of the road with one certain methodology, there's always another one and there's always another one. It's crazy what is out there. I had no idea how many methods there were out there until interviewing people about this. And I'm hearing so many cool things.
2: Yeah, there, there, there's some there's some crazy stuff and it's awesome. It's so great that it actually works. <laughs>
0: yeah. So what what now? Do you are do you feel like your journey to conceive is over and maybe you will adopt in the future or you'll try to conceive again or are you do you feel like your family's complete
2: um that that's that's a really great question stay tuned kind of thing right pretty much i love the two that we have so they're cute i've seen pictures they're stinking cute they are (laughs) the, the cutest personalities ever they just went in for their nine month uh exam today and I, I can't believe it's already been nine months.
0: It's crazy, huh? When they say Especially. it flies, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you actually
2: get there and it flies. Oh, it, it, it really does. To think that they, so they were actually in the NICU for a month. So they were born at three pounds.
0: Oh my gosh. So
2: they were tall.
0: Oh, they were so little. How long were they in the NICU for? For a month. A month. Okay. Cause you cut out during that. So you, Sorry. they're in for yeah. a month. Um, they were there goodness. for a month. Well, it's amazing that they're here and they're so healthy. Yeah, And they I'm glad you pushed through because now you have a beautiful little family. And is your wife there? I thought I heard her in the background.
2: Nope. She's right here.
0: Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think she's willing to talk to you. <laughs>
0: sure. Hey, I'll just ask you really quick while you're there. What would you tell people who are going through it right now?
1: Even though it's so rough and you just you just want to be done, it's all worth it in the an
2: end and it will happen. So
0: All right, that's awesome. Everybody's telling me that that it's worth the struggle. So it really so that's a wrap on these two amazing interviews. Stay tuned. We have more interviews coming up hopefully next week, and I will talk to you all later. I, I hope this really helped you. Uh, please subscribe if you're not already subscribed. to Be a part of the family, and come join me over on Instagram. I post there as well. Just Chelsea Goulart, C-H-E-L-S-I-G-O-U-L-A-R-T, and I'll talk to you guys later.